Hello and welcome to Strange New Takes. I'm your host, Notch Karnick, and with me are... Dinah McPhail. Max Crowder. Bill Voivod. Adam Bowen. Emily Bowen Marlin. And Rudy Kuspeka. Strange New Takes is a brand new Star Trek-themed podcast. Uh, we're nominally supposed to be discovering strange new worlds, but with so much new Trek already, we've decided to jump in feet first with our disgusting hairy Talaxian feet. As you may know, Star Trek Lower Decks is almost here, and we're going to cover it episode by episode, bringing your strange new takes, going with where no podcast has gone before. And so this week, we're going to talk about three short treks to prepare for Lower Decks. So there's going to be Q&A, Trouble with Edward, and then Ask Not. Uh, and we're doing this because we think they're good prep uh, as they focus on Lower Deck characters on the Enterprise and also feature Strange New World's main characters. But before we get there, we want to encourage you to follow us on social media at Strange New Takes on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And hey, make sure to tell your friends to listen to us. We absolutely love getting strange new listeners from all over the world, and your recommendations are what will get us there. Also, don't forget to give us a five-star rating on iTunes. That helps put us on the podcast discovery lists. Thank you. Uh, you said discovery. That's a Star Trek. <laughs> I get it. I get a joke. What a joke that was. <laughs> yeah. So, so this is our first, very first episode, and uh, as Rudy said, we're gonna we're gonna discuss some lower decks. But before we uh, lower decks short treks, but before we get there, we want to talk a little bit about Star Trek Lower Decks. It's coming out on August sixth. You're probably gonna listen to this episode after it has been released. So, uh, what what have y'all heard about? lower deck so far are you excited uh, it's it's a very different style of show as an animated show i think well, it's super fun i know that mike mcmahon was involved with tng season eight which is awesome rick and morty of course and then do any of you guys remember axe cop no you know what axe cop is Tell us. this no. is like from 10 or 15 years ago but the his little brother who was like four would write the stories and then he would animate them. It was like a like a comic. That's so hilarious. so the stories were totally um, like delusional. So the character is Axe Cop, who's a cop with an axe. And, oh and yes, then, I know what you're talking about now. And then it's and then all of a sudden his hand is a pineapple and you know it's like that kind of thing. So anyway, so I'm really I'm really encouraged that Mike McMahon is leading it. <clears throat> yeah, awesome. I didn't realize the connection there. Yeah. Yeah, and, and for me, um, I don't know if this is the first um, animated Star Trek, so you guys correct me if it is. Um, but for me, um, stuff like South Park and Family Guy, those have actually done more for me um, in terms of uh, bringing me up to speed or introducing me to American pop culture. And they were actually extremely educational because if you don't have, if you have animated liberty, you could probably you know extend and exaggerate. So. I'm actually looking forward to it because I've grown up on Star Trek, so a lot of good learnings, and I'm hoping the animated piece maybe widens the audience and also helps for a little bit of exaggerated um, flexibility. There is cool. one what we've oh. seen from a lot of like uh, animated versions of pop culture icons we see a lot of more freedom and actually an ability to go darker and go deeper um i think about like batman the animated series and i know i'm not supposed to talk about star wars at all but um <laughs> Clone Wars was a really good example of this right where we have these 
sort of pinnacle characters in all of these different worlds and the ability to go into them in like cool in depth and be weird and take risks is actually a lot higher I feel in animated versions than we've seen like in person so I'm excited I don't really know a whole bunch about it I think I'm trying to stay away from being spoiled in any way but I'm excited about it that's what I would say and I, I will say that the Star Trek the animated series uh, definitely took some risks uh, and gave us some of the uh, absolute worst episodes of Star Trek. <laughs> that ever so uh, I'm looking so forward to good, see what we come up with this time. Good company. <laughs> <laughs> so, so that's how they came up with Threshold on Voyager, huh? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the entire show of Voyager is just from the <laughs> but, but just referencing Voyager for a second, that's my favorite show, right? And one of my favorite episodes on there is Good Shepherd, which is about three well lower decks characters there's actually a star trek voyager centric website called star voyager lower decks where they talk about every single background actor that is shown in star trek voyager they have a little like itty bitty standard definition screen cap on their face being like this is ensign smith who hangs out on deck five in this episode and deck six in that episode anyway it's really cool it adds a little bit of lore so i'm I, I think a series focused on that stuff where we get to see what these folks who are just milling about in the background typically, what they do, the lame lives they lead while the like <laughs> captain is off on an away mission. I think it could be like super like ripe for comedy. So uh, that that scene that came out with, with uh, San Diego Comic Con, which is on Zoom this year, uh, I, I really enjoyed it. T- to your point, Diana, they had like... I'm not spoiling anything. This is apparently the first scene in the series. They had the dude's like legs sliced in half. You can't like <laughs> do that on a you know normal show, right? So that was awesome. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> I, so I think their their mission, the ship is the USS Cerritos, mm-hmm. and I think their job is to do second contact. Yeah. Right. Mm. So it's, I mean, it's actually you know a pretty interesting point. You know, we always get the exciting, sexy stories, but you know, if you really think about it in Starfleet, most, you know, most people would be doing jobs like that. Yeah, and if yeah. you if you think about it, first contact is, is high stakes, but I, I, this is the first time I'm hearing the term second contact. I think there's to operationalize something, you know, get into the weeds. That's that's the harder part. So um, I think it's important uh, to take the show beyond the five to nine characters, you know, that, that most of these series focus on. Um, and, um, there's like a whole, you know, a whole system that, that of, of people that run these starships. So that's important. A quick plug in as we record this, you know, these guys at SpaceX are trying to open the hatch for the dragon crew that just landed. So and there's a ton of people that, that, um, you know, work to get that thing out there and back. So it's, it's super important to get that visibility. So there's the comic side, but also there's, there's the, um, you know, the sacrifices, the difficulties that people go through. I, I don't quite remember the episode. There was a TNG episode, and I think it involved Ensign Rowe and somebody else. There was another um, another Ensign, and she was lost behind enemy lines. She went on this mission. Um, and, and jump in, guys, if, if you remember. But I think it was behind enemy lines um, on the Cardassian side. Do you guys remember? Yeah, it was Lower Decks. It was in... It was, it was in it was the episode, yeah. The episode okay, was okay, called cool, Lower cool, Decks. Okay, okay, cool, cool, right? So, 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 yeah, um, that was amazing for me. You know, it kind of also makes me think. So, I'm I'm gonna not be too political when I say this, but you know, like there's 
activism that happens in the world that's really sexy. You know, you can go out, carry your signs, and it looks really cool, and you get good photo ops with that. But then if you really want to affect change, there's the things that you have to do behind the scenes that are really tedious and annoying, and no one wants to do them because it's not sexy. And I feel Mm. like that's kind of what the premise is of Lower Decks. You know, it's not the big, ooh, this is the big photo op of the first time we're meeting this alien race. It's all the tedious stuff that you have to do afterwards to nurture the relationship and keep it going. Yeah, I I am actually one of my like bet hopes for this is we finally get to see a restroom in Star Trek and <laughs> and and because they can animate it, us? it can be whatever. And I think this is like the perfect tonally, it's perfect, right? Like imagine if they put a restroom on Discovery, it'd be like everyone'd be like they're putting a restroom there just because we've never seen a restroom. Whereas on Lower Decks, it fits perfectly. Like, of course they're going to put in something funny like that. this is a high priority for me. I have to tell you. (laughs) Of all of the things that we could have. We've already got the sonic showers, man. I don't think. I don't know, man. I feel like if we're talking like long-term political connections and infighting or like cultural exchange or whatever it is versus like seeing a bathroom. I don't know that the bathroom takes precedence over the other stuff. You know what I mean? I just, I don't know. It's not... It's not what I value. <laughs> yeah, we we we'll 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 see what happens with the show. We're gonna get it next week, and and we'll be here with episode one to give you our uh, our opinions on that. But let's move on to talking about these short tracks that we discussed. We're gonna split into smaller groups to to discuss each one of these, and uh, let, let's start with uh, with Q and A, the the very first short track of season two of short tracks. Yeah. So. Uh... I, th- I think uh, for me, uh, sh- uh, short treks uh, has been a really interesting way to kind of explore the different uh, areas that are maybe hard to fit into an entire episode or previously have been put into an entire episode and end up boring as hell. Uh, and so I, I, I really appreciate the sort of the, the shorter format. Uh, and uh, this particular one kind of makes me uh, think of uh, what is my strange new take. Uh, on this episode is that uh, despite uh, every opinion that I've had throughout my entire life where I've watched uh, almost all of Star Trek that there is, uh, I think uh, Pike is the best Star Trek captain. And that kind of pains me uh, in a lot of different ways. <laughs> but uh, I kind of, and, it, and it's, it's really, I, I feel weird kind of bringing that out from watching an, ep- an episode that, uh, I don't even know if he, I can't remember if he's even in this episode at all. I don't think he is. Uh, but I, uh, and it's, but yeah, it, it just, there, there's a, there's a moment where they are talking about um, uh, sort of Una's, uh, 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 the qualities that she's noticed about uh, Pike. And she says, uh, one, his capacity for hearing out another point of view is exceeded only by his willingness to change his own once he's heard you out. Two, even though he is the most heavily decorated fighting captain in Starfleet, his he views resorting to force as an admission of failure. And three, he is utterly unsentimental, except when it comes to horses. Uh, <laughs> I'm not entirely sure about the horses thing, but uh, what what I appreciate about uh, Pike is that he seems to be kind of getting in that um, that like exemplary ethics part of Star Trek that. Uh, is kind of what I've been missing out of some of the newer ones. And I'm really excited to kind of get into the meat of that. Well, and that's really what they highlighted um, 
about his character, or that's what Admiral Cornwell highlighted about his character in Discovery when she said, you know, we sent you away because you you are what we needed to preserve. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you are the best Starfleet has to offer. And that's really, I, I really loved Discovery season two because of Captain Pike. Like, I mean, there were other things I loved about it too, but I just, I was very pleasantly surprised with how they how they developed that character. And of yeah. course, he's not in the episode that you and I are supposed to be talking about right now. So. <laughs> oh, for sure. And, and in some ways, I'm kind of, uh, I'm almost disappointed that Pike is now my new f- favorite captain because, uh, I don't know, I've, I've been kind of wanting Star Trek to, uh, I mean, I grew up on Voyager as being like the main Star Trek that I was watching. And uh, uh, Deep Space Nine later, I got into as kind of a uh, an example of like exemplary writing in Star Trek. Uh and it's, uh, I'm kind of tired of having the, the white dude be the, the top uh, billing of all Star Treks. And so I'm a little bit upset that uh, <laughs> now that we've uh, brought a Star Trek that has a lot more uh, careful attention to diversity, that it's the white dude that I'm most excited about. <laughs> uh, but uh, I don't know, it, that, that aside, maybe that's a good point for us to uh, kind of slide over to actually talking about the episode that we're supposed to be talking about. <laughs> So, um, I don't know, uh, growing, so it, if, if you don't know, uh, Emily and I are, uh, siblings. And so, uh, one of the things that we always did, uh, growing up is just endlessly talking about all the Star Trek episodes that we're, that we're watching. And, uh, we both have a, uh, a deep interest in music and, uh, something that, that I, I kind of appreciated, uh, in this episode was the little bits of notes of Star Trek 2009. Yes. Yes. In the background. Mm. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, and I felt the way they, um, the even though they didn't show any turbo lift action in the uh, Calvin Universe Star Trek, it's still the way they animated the turbo lifts moving through. You know how they kind of go inside yeah. the, you know, inside the tubes. That had a very 2009 kind of feel to it, also. But yeah, that was the first thing I noticed about the episode was oh, that is they totally lifted that music from 2009. Yeah, I, I did look it up later, and uh, Michael Giacchino was apparently the supervising composer for the episode, so uh-huh. that's kind of why that happened. But uh, it was, uh, I don't know, just, just sort of a fun little thing that, that I noticed mm-hmm. going, going... Yeah, you stole my one thing I was going to say. No, that's <laughs> <okay>. <laughs> We're related. Whoops. I figured you would steal it. It's all good. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, it, for, for me, like, I don't know that... Uh, that well, I, I think that this episode kind of brought in uh, the the case where it's it's interesting to have an episode that is only a handful of minutes long that can literally just be two characters talk to each talking to each other stuck in a turbo lift. And mm-hmm. I know that Star Trek has literally done this exact episode uh, before, and it was the forty five minutes thing. I haven't seen that one in a long time, so I can't remember what my uh, sort of uh, hot takes on whether it's a good episode or not. But um, I, I I do appreciate the the chance to kind of get a bit more intimate with two characters that we got here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, and I also wondered. Um, I found the thing that was nice about it was just the I I mean the way they shot it. They shot it so very close to their faces, mm-hmm. um, and just watching. And, and this would just be a tribute to the acting. Like I mean really minuscule changes in their facial expressions that kind of communicated what was happening underneath, you know, like just their responses to, to things that would say, you know, trying to wonder if, you know, were there moments where it was trying to be flirtatious or was it more just trying to figure out 
um, the oh, other person sure. or, you know, so it was, I felt like there were a lot of different levels that were happening at the same time. Yeah, that, that was, that was interesting to me. Cause it, yeah, there were definitely parts where I, uh, I started to get kind of like uncomfortable. Like it's uh, <laughs> okay. So n- now we have uh, a man and a woman d- do they have to kiss now? Like, right. is that? Is, Thank is that God they didn't. But uh, which I, I'm, I'm hopeful that that's not kind of the direction that they go, especially when we get to actually getting uh, Strange New Worlds, uh, the show coming out. Um, but it's, I, I'm hopeful that, that it, it's kind of just a, a way for us to get into these characters and, and maybe it's okay if there's uh, sort of like weird flirtation type things that happen, but then don't go anywhere. Cause I mean, like that is what happens in real life. Like that we, <laughs> we all have like uncomfortable human experiences as we go about our lives. And like, uh, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm, I, th- I think that uh, the writers and the actors are showing a lot of nuance uh, in these episodes that I'm hopeful that they kind of like get further into later on. Hey, you can know, I, some... can oh. I ask you guys a question? <clears throat> yeah. So there was a, a moment where um, uh, Spock, you know, so she she's talking about Captain Pike, and then Spock asks, or he, he, he remarks, like, you've made a close study mm. of the captain. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then there's this like, half second of discomfort, and then she, yes. there's some distraction. She smashes the comp panel. What was that? Was it My first thought was like, oh, no, are they going to make her, like, have a crush on the captain? But I didn't yeah, know. I, did you guys read it that way, or what? Yes, do you think? I did read it that way. Yeah, because well, and, you can't have a good-looking silver fox captain without having all the women. I mean, we, and, and we all, all the have men a crush probably. On Captain on, Pike, deep down, yeah. But, yeah, I have a crush on Captain true. Pike. Yeah, so, but um, <laughs> I mean, I, yeah, I, think I definitely saw that. I, I, I think the cage actually set this up, did, didn't it? I think it did. Mm-hmm. No, the cage did set it up. So I think they were just pulling it from that. Which, yeah. I mean, yeah, that's not a surprise at all that the cage would set up something like that, yeah. given the time it was. You know, one of the things I found interesting, so, you know, they talk about you have to hide your freaky, right? Or hide your whatever. I don't remember how she said yeah, it. But... Yeah, yeah. So I find it, I, I find it interesting what was considered freaky or their freak flag <laughs> right. or whatever. <laughs> yep. So for Spock, it's his human side, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, like the the fact that, he might show some emotion sometime or show any show pleasure or, or excitement or something on his face. So that's interesting to me. And then why is like singing a musical theater operetta kind of piece here? You know, thank you. I'm pretty freaky then because I do that all the time. But yeah, anyway, I don't know. It's interesting. I think that was, that was just to jump in. I'm sorry, but that was like the frustrating part to me is that, at the end, at the end of the episode, I realized that it was written by Michael Chabon, and I was actually really disappointed because I really like Michael Chabon as a as a novel novel author, and he's done a pretty good job, I think, on Picard. But this mm. this episode, man, I don't. And I think it's because like three quarters of the way in, I was like, this is going so well, and then the same thing happened that you were talking about, Emily, where Spock is like, I've been bullied my whole life. Like we know Spock's life, right? So, yeah. and I've been bullied my whole life for being half human, and like he doesn't say that, but that's we all know that that's sort of his backstory. Mm. And number one's like, I know what it's like to be different. And then she starts singing a Pirates of Penzance song. And we're like, yes, those two things are definitely analogous. And Spock looks at her like she's just created Jesus. Like, oh, wow. You were saying, I know that song, too. And it's like, why? Why is this happening? I don't understand. Because, like, if we if we look at the 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 whole storyline over the course of it, it's like they need to meet they need to find connection with each other he's she's a mentor of some kind whether or not they want 
to bang or not it doesn't really matter and then like there's some like some they need to meet on a more like personal level than just on the intellectual level like we get that Mm. that makes sense but then like to have it be i'm different too I know all of the words and some of the tune, I guess, to <laughs> the Pirates yeah. of Penzance banger. I am the very model of a modern major general. And, like, poor Rebecca Romaine has never learned that song. So she learned it for this episode and didn't work out. Like, it just, it doesn't make any sense. And I thought that was a really, I don't know, I was really disappointed with the way the epi- that episode ended because it felt like it was going to a place. And then the place it went was, like, real off kilt. I don't know. That's you know I what think. I think it could be is that that's actually not her I think maybe there was some discomfort over how uh. how heavy things were getting. This just popped in my head as you were talking, but she made the comment when she was sitting on the floor earlier. He says, "Am I getting annoying?" Or I can't remember where you know because she yeah, said, yeah. "Ask yeah, questions, he get annoying." You know, yeah. And she said, "It's just getting kind of heavy in here." So part of me almost wonders if she recognized that he was actually saying something pretty deep earlier, like uh, how he had felt his whole life. And that was her attempt at lightening it, maybe? I don't know. I, I don't know if it was, but I just... Because it really isn't analogous. Those two things no. are not the same <laughs> thing. <laughs> no. Uh, yeah, so, I mean, maybe. Yeah. I, I'm going to give you a little bit of, as I'm sure will happen repeatedly, some information from Memory Alpha, the codex <laughs> oh. of all that is real and true in this entire world that we need to worry about. That's right. Um Apparently, Alex Kurtzman texted Rebecca Roman and asked her whether she had any special skills. She replied that she had played badminton. So we might have seen badminton in a turbo lift. Too bad. I think we missed out. I was good with foreign languages. I've been tortured my whole life. I, I can speak Klingon. Anyway, that doesn't work so well. And she sang Gilbert and Sullivan. Because of the last, Shabon decided that Una's quote-unquote freaky would be a fondness of Gilbert and Sullivan. I don't, I don't, and doesn't wrote, fit. Right? <laughs> like, you don't have to... Like, Rebecca Romaine's skill set does not have to be number one's skill set. I don't understand why... I don't, under, I don't understand. And then have it, be, have it be like, ugh, I don't get it. I just, See, mm. but the, I, think, I think the truth here is that Star Trek has been real this whole time, and no one's been acting. So they can't, like... Like, <laughs> dump, like each, Robert Duncan McNeil actually flies a starship. That's how That's he can true. play... Play Tom Paris. There's no acting involved. Uh, last point I'll make before we move on, which is that Shabon wrote this specifically, mm-hmm. and 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 one of the themes he wanted to cover was why Spock is all smiley in the cage. So he, this this short trek was an attempt to bridge the cage mm-hmm. with the rest of the original series. So I haven't actually watched the cage ever, mm-hmm. so I don't know what that means. And I was hoping somebody could maybe figure out what that means like we need, we need i know he smiles party. with the flower flo- the flowers but what about this episode actually explained who spock is in the cage versus the the rest of the original series i'm I pretty feel sure like, dine oh. and i had a, a watch party of the cage uh, back in college yeah, we so did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah we did <laughs> I, I don't know I, mean, so I think maybe emily and bowen you've seen maybe more recently than me but from what i remember about the cage from our epic watch party is that um yeah but spock is definitely a lot more smiley he's a little bit more like emotive emotive mm-hmm. than um he typically is in the rest of star trek and i think people who love continuity i mean first of all if you love continuity i i think maybe the original series of star trek is not maybe your jam 
But, you know, they're, they're trying some stuff out, and some stuff doesn't work, and some stuff does. But there's like they're pointing these things out, like, oh, look at this, and like the Klingons obviously in Star the the original series and Next Generation change a lot, and a lot of other stuff changes too. But for some reason, the characterization of Spock really sticks out to people. It's like this is weird and this is wrong, mm-hmm. and so I think that um, having an explanation, like a backstory to how mm-hmm. he smiles in it somehow made sense um but i think it's also like the role of these small stories is like to fill in these maybe gaps that don't actually exist but to fill it fill in places and be a little bit more fan servicey than a full episode would be where you know there's maybe more plot that gets pushed along than here's here's the origin of him smiling in this one episode that really bothered you when you were 15 and now i could explain it to you like that kind of thing you know well and it's also a little strange because um, like, okay, I'm not going to get super nerdy because I'm actually not nerdy enough to answer this question, but I'm, he was not an ensign in the cage. I don't know what his rank was. So mm-hmm. she says this to him, like points out his smiling when he's an ensign, which makes you think like, oh, that kind of tamps down that kind of expression. So he's not going to do that so much. But the cage actually happens after this Q&A. If you're looking at continuity, the cage would have mm-hmm. happened mm-hmm. after that. So even though it's like maybe trying to make a explanation it doesn't really right i don't don't know i I think i think this episode's largest failure is the fact that it doesn't explain why everybody was wearing loose fitting turtleneck sweaters in the cage that was that was a critical detail (laughs) that shaban missed out on and i think we are all worse off for it hey bill you're gonna take us through the trouble with edward i am yes Okay, so uh, for listeners who have not seen this short trek, you should go watch it right away because it's awesome. And uh, I think it's really, really good to talk about the trouble with Edward as we're getting ready for um, Lower Decks to launch. They say Lower Decks is the first Star Trek comedy, but really the trouble with Edward is the first Star Trek comedy. And I think they they really pull it off. I mean, it's kind of a proof of concept. First intentional comedy. Yeah, right, yeah. (laughs) Um, So, you know, the the deal is that there's, you know, a new captain. So this is, you know, none of these people we we know before, um, except I think Pike is in the first few minutes giving this this new captain a promotion. She goes goes off to the science ship, and uh, there's this guy there, Edward, who basically uh, creates Tribbles. So this is an origin story for Tribbles. And the Tribbles run amok, and this guy is a total dick. And that's, that's what happens. That's the story. So uh, a few uh, strange new takes. So <clears throat> I, you know, I thought they were going to go in the direction with this one where they, they introduce the guy, and he's awkward and kind of a dick. But then you find out that really he's, in, he's endearing, right, and has a good side. This is the opposite, right? In the, fir- <laughs> in the first five minutes, I kind of felt a little bad for him, right? Because, you know, they have the scene in the briefing room and he's kind of awkward, but he seems dedicated or like, you know, he has an idea or whatever. Uh, but then he just becomes more and more of a dick. So, uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> played, played by A. John Benjamin, who's been in like 
tons of stuff. Have you all, have you all Max? Have you seen a John Benjamin and other stuff? Like, do you watch Archer or Bob's Burgers? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, uh, that that voice is is hard to mistake once you hear it. It's it's Bob's Burgers. It's Archer. You know, it's right there. And uh, you know, Bill, I don't want to cut off your your hot takes here, but you know, for me, this episode gave me something that. Uh, I never knew I needed, which was a crossover between Star Trek and an Arby's commercial. <laughs> <laughs> and that that really just blew me away. It was hilarious. It was absolutely hilarious. Yeah. yeah. They're all made of meat deep inside. <laughs> They're 100% yeah. meat. Uh, there, were, there were just so many little punchlines in this episode that were just like tucked in there where every time you watch it, I've watched it three times now in the last, I think, eight or nine days because it's uh the the third time because adam said in our slack channel hey don't don't forget to watch after the credits and i would of course forgotten so i was like either i can just pull up the credits or i can watch it again why not that's the thing with these short tricks it's so cool and like little bite-sized things and there's little comedy bits some are visual some are lines and they're so good and and i gotta i gotta give a lot of credit to rosa salazar uh, who plays Captain Lynn Lucero in this, who we've never seen in Star Trek before, but feels like a fully, like, uh, I, I don't know what the word is, like, fleshed-out character. Mm-hmm. Yeah, fully realized character. Thank you, Emily. And, and like, Lucero and Edward are these... You, you know everything about them by the end of this episode, like, that you would if, if they were to become, like, main characters in any other show, which I think with such a short amount of time, it's it's so much work. H- had any of you seen Rosa Salazar and stuff before? She, I know she was an Alita Battle Angel and a few other things. But oh, that's why she looks so familiar because she is literally Alita Battle Angel. No, I hadn't actually see, I haven't actually seen that movie, but her face was so all over Alita, the trailers for Alita Battle Angel, and I was like, her face looks so familiar. What is it? <laughs> yeah, it's what it is. So um, yeah, I I, I th- my my take on this is that I really freaking enjoyed it it was so much fun like it was just it was just funny it was not meant to be like gore hard trek it wasn't like meant to be analyzed or anything like that it's just a dude in his underwear in the middle of a starship like <laughs> we've done, <that's>, it's... <laughs> next step to the bathroom like he's probably on his way he could have showed you you almost got it Nash. yeah <laughs> You're so close, and the triples ruined everything. I think this is your persona from from now on as the guy who's obsessed with bathrooms on starships. So enjoy that. <laughs> Bathroom count on Star Trek Lower Decks five in episode one. We no okay. Um, the the part okay. So so like dialing it back though. This is also I think one of our first experiences seeing like a full science ship with just science people, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, in action, for sure. I think that, um, at least in Next Generation, I think possibly other series, too. We had a few episodes about, uh, you know, science ships where something yeah. disastrous occurred and they had to, you know, pull it out of an asteroid or something. But uh, usually everyone was dead in, in those cases. So, yeah. I feel like Voyager was supposed to be a science vessel. Or that was Jane. Oh, that was at least right Janeway's yeah, Jane. Jane uh, specialty. A science uh, uh, track person before she became mm-hmm. a captain, I think. Can you imagine if instead of Lynn Lucero, we had like Rosa Salazar playing like a young Janeway and this was Janeway's first assignment? Pretty bright, not to get. Is there something else you want to tell us? She, she, I, I think. I think <laughs> Can you imagine? Can you guys imagine? I, I feel like I feel like Janeway in the situation would just pull out like a phase <laughs> rifle, like. <laughs> On Edward and it would be done. 
but yeah bill what was your uh, like overall like takeaway from this episode did, did you enjoy it completely yeah i enjoyed it thoroughly and my, my main takeaway i mean it's a, it's a meta takeaway but like comedy star trek can work because right? mm-hmm. it's actually it was not clear to me right mm-hmm. before watching this episode and the way they handled it and it was handled so elegantly and i think they really pulled it off did you also uh you guys uh, i was thinking about it and like triples don't make any sense like what what do they eat <laughs> The, the mass just comes out of the void. It, <laughs> yeah, like, there's some warp drive tech in there. Yeah, yeah. But what is that we call the quadricritic whatever? Quadratriticale. Thank you, Kayleen. Yeah, that's what they eat. <laughs> oh, right. Quadratriticaline. Quadratriticaline. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like many things in Star Trek, it's probably best not to think about you know, too closely. <laughs> Well, I think the key point is uh, they, they don't need to eat. We eat them, right? <laughs> I was trying to decide if that dude, that other dude that tried them, knew that he was eating a triple when he said, I can't remember the other, oh, yeah. so-and-so yeah. tried it. He's a foodie, you know, he, he seemed to like it. And I was like, I don't know if he knew that he ate a triple. <laughs> right. And, and and the part where they say that they're born pregnant, was that like post-DNA? Yeah. Uh, I think so, because they were... They, he, he mentioned them as pretty normal, like, slow to reproduce when he was trying to pitch them in that first meeting and, and he got shut down and was moved to climatology, right? So there was nothing um, spectacular about them in terms of his sustainable food source. So I think what changed about them, what we're confused about is the Edward DNA. And we don't know. <laughs> oh, we don't know what happened. But um, the, the part that also interests me in shifting gears a little bit is you know, at the edge of Klingon space and how um, if you go back to the uh, TOS um, uh, Tribbles episode where, you know, Klingons have had a big problem uh, with Tribbles. And so they kind of allude to the beginnings of diplomatic troubles or future diplomatic troubles. But um, again, um, I'm not sure, but did the Klingons ever find out that it was it was like a human created issue or, or, or what do you guys think? <laughs> Well, that's in the DS9 episode, doesn't isn't there a scene where Worf is like, you know, they're a sworn enemy of the Klingon Empire? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> that's so good. I, I How they like, like hunted them to descript, hunted them to extinction or something. Yeah. I think there was a line about that. I, I, I just enjoy that uh, Archer was responsible for <laughs> the Klingon <laughs> human intergalactic oh, yeah. conflict. Like Edward started that decor. Uh, it's pretty great. Uh, any any final any final words on trouble with Edward? Anyone has any final takes opinions? I gotta say, I think it's like I mean, just from an acting standpoint, I think it's like the best primer in how to read your lines just by H. John Benjamin. Obviously, he's a very famous voice actor, and he can do a lot with a little. Um, and his face is very expressive as well. But I think a lot of a lot of the the uh, criticism I have for the acting on the more recent Star Trek shows is that it's very like this is a serious show and I'm going to be very serious and you and so like that's the reason why like Tilly for example is very um, refreshing even if she babbles on because you're like oh you're a human who does <clears throat> human things and has a human vocabulary and so I thought that was really cool like in comparison with other characters that Sean Benjamin was just like yeah you know they're all like 100% meat and he ended every every line on a question and like how you can personalize 
a, a line or a character that is like he's a science officer and he's in start like I think that that's really cool. I think that's just an act just an acting note. I thought that was awesome. And I kinda wanna see a little bit more of that, like not necessarily more of Edward, although <laughs> it was really funny, but a lot more of that the kind of like personal take on your character, even though we know it's a really serious and important show or, you know, pop culture reference, the ability to just humanize who you are. I think that's been a huge uh, benefit to every single important character in Star Trek. Like you think about like Odo, for example, like Odo definitely humanized all of his own, personalized all of his own lines too. And so I don't know, I just like, I liked it. I missed, I missed that. And so I really liked it when I saw it in um, Trouble with Edward. And something else that we'll discuss at some point in one of our episodes probably is the use of profanity because I feel like, again, it humanizes some of the characters mm-hmm. on Discovery when we see them doing things that are not like, you know, I am a command robot that does the right thing always. <laughs> and, you know, it's uh, we, we're seeing that break down a little bit. I also want to give a shout out to Doug Jones, who plays Saru on Discovery, because I think just like a John Benjamin is able to convey with just a glance or like a slight movement of their of his face or like a slight intonation so much which i think it's it's phenomenal when actors are able to do that and it, and it it's just so so great so yeah 100% um let's move on and talk about ask not which was the third short trek out of season okay. 2 of short treks yeah, so we have Ask Not as our last one. Um, it is the shortest one by a long shot, actually, clocking in at just around nine minutes. And in this episode, we get um, introduced to a new character, Cadet Sidhu, who uh, meets Captain Pike under less than auspicious circumstances, and, uh, and he becomes her prisoner. Um, so my take on this is that it's kind of a wasted opportunity to do a lot of cool things with a, with a new character. Um, because, I mean, uh, her, she's, her character will be, um, coming up again and will probably be more of a focus. And it seemed like it was, they were trying to, the episode was trying to give us a, a, a clue into who she is and how moral she is and how, um, committed she is to Starfleet. And the, the bulk of the episode seemed to be just like exposition and didn't seem to be any character building at all. And so that, I, for me, I feel like for this character and for the, what they're trying to do with this episode, I it fell really flat for me. I think I'll talk about it a little bit more later. But Rudy, what did you think? Yeah, it was it was kind of different, right? If you switch transition over from um, the Tribbles episode to this one, um, not only is it shorter, you have sparks and uh, flying, uh, literal sparks flying, and and uh, you know explosions and all that happening in the background. So, uh, and it's it's uh, you know. First impressions for me um, were it, it dives straight into those uh, moral dilemmas, right? Like that, I'll admit I'm a sucker for those, right? Through through uh, Star Trek, um, whether it's um, Garrick trying to get into Bashir's head, right, and, and messing with him, or or Picard uh, trying to draw draw a fine line um, around um, duty, country, and, and morality. Uh, I think it it puts uh, Cadet uh, Sidhu in, in a difficult position because they kind of bring up her, her past with her husband and, and the Tholian attack um, um, that they suffered. They were the only survivors. And and it's it's almost like um, uh, Pike is, is you know, he's this, he's this big figure, right? Decorated captain. And he's, he's almost like he's humanizing himself um, 
in terms of, hey, I know you and, you know, you were looking for a transfer and it, it, it didn't quite work out, but we were trying to do the right thing here and we were trying to um, save people on that affected um, ship, right? The USS Bowman, as opposed to like, you know, uh, duking it out with the Tholians. So um, it, it really put her in a hard moral dilemma. And I was, I was, I was in for the ride in the sense I had no idea, right? How it was going to end. And um, so, so that, that part was nice, but, but it's, it goes into all that tricky stuff today, right? Like, um, duty country before self and, and what is our future going to be like, right? We're, we're in important times right now. And, and, um, um, let's just say that, um, concepts that were near and dear and, and important before are potentially being hijacked today, right? To draw, um, partisan opinions. So, I think this this episode, in that sense, touched that divide, and it picked a side in the end, right? It picked a side where um, she kind of followed through on her training and charged that phaser, right? As he was, he turned her back to her. Um, but but yeah, a lot to happen in in less than ten minutes for sure. Like it, it was a roller coaster ride. I think my biggest problem is that for me, I didn't see the the real stakes in that choice mm. realistically like we get her op- like waking up on the floor of this room right and she um the she's given direct orders by a commanding officer to not let this prisoner escape and we see eventually that the prisoner is captain pike and so she has direct orders and then immediately upon the door closing the captain in handcuffs is like oh yeah <laughs> do what i want you to do and she's like no because I got direct orders that, and so there's no actual emotional like reason that she would listen to what he has to say, until he like talks at her for like ha- over half the runtime, and at a certain point it's like okay I've heard every I I don't I don't want to do any more dialogue about like how you're right because this the show doesn't there's no setup of any kind of ambiguity, right? So you think about like and this is really bad maybe a bad comparison but think about like Saw for example where both characters wake up on the floor at the same time. And they have to figure things out together, and then somebody makes a really messed up choice, right? That, that's kind of the point mm. here. And, like, at the end of this episode, he's like, oh, by the way, it was a simulation the whole time. Like, yeah, I know. I know it was. Because, like, this could be nothing other than a simulation, because it doesn't make any sense. The actual story doesn't make sense. You know, so there's no reason that she would feel much loyalty to Captain Pike, except that he's a captain, right? That she has no personal connection with him. He is not, like, trying to get her out of any particular like dangerous situation it's just like let me talk at you for seven minutes and tell you why i'm right and oh now you're really loyal because you charge this I did, there's no there's no re- point in the entire story where it seemed like she actually would shoot mm, him yeah <laughs> you know yeah. what i mean and there's no point at the, in, in that story where it seemed like he was doing a good job of actually convincing her and so that's why i say about wasted potential because i think the actors are both really good i've i really like anson mount and everything including crossroads um i didn't i've never seen the um the this actor uh i think her, um, her name is amarit yes. kaur and th- i really liked her um and i thought that there was some really good like potential for this character introduction but i also think that if this is what they were trying to do with this character introduction they could have done it in a in an episode, like a full right. episode, and it would have been rich. You know what I mean? So I, I had some trouble with it. I then I feel like I'm, I was disappointed with how it turned out, and I feel like it, it, it had a lot more potential than what it could have had. I don't know if anybody else has any other takes on it, but that was my, my takeaway was that there was no reason for anyone to do anything other than what they already were going to right. do, 
And so then there was no suspense and there was no right. surprise. That was my complaint. So you know it sounds I mean? like you, you were pretty much um, sort of you saw through it um, early on and you realized it was a simulation. Um, I, at a certain point, yeah. At a certain point when he was like, sometimes in battle. Yeah, I see what you're saying. Listen, in a war your captain needs to do x y's like okay you know what i understand like you're you're hammering at home pretty intensely right now i just and that's uh, you know that's my thing as i just i there's no excuse especially in a nine minute episode there's no excuse for bad writing and this writing was not good and that's my i think my my, ta- my overall takeaway sorry no worries no worries what what is what does everybody else feel like so i i i was yeah. drawn in for the ride till probably um towards the last third right when i started to be like Firstly, I was thinking this is this is like some inventory room. This is not even a brig, and it's like the brig destroyed, um, and there's just one cadet there, um, and then he's he's trying to play that emotional card, and I was like, okay, uh, with her husband. But what about the rest of you? Did you, at what point, or did y'all any get drawn right till the end? I, I was pretty close to the end where I was like, I, I was I was kind of thinking it's it's real, but uh, what about the rest of you? Wait. Early on, straight away. I, I think the I think the first time I watched it, I suspected that it was a simulation. Mm. Um, but I actually found Pike's story to be somewhat compelling. You know, these mm. like, well, I, I wanted to save the yeah. ship, but the admiral wouldn't let me, and I was trying to do the right thing. But I don't know. It this whole thing is so bogus as a as an actual test. Like, it's like abusive. <laughs> right. I mean, who yeah, would? It's cruel. I, <laughs> and he even totally says not that. Cool. She got knocked unconscious at the beginning. <laughs> yeah. right? it's a, That's like right. dangerous. She she had brain trauma, and Maybe you know I half expected century. her to reject it to say no. I don't want to be on the right. enterprise with you, you sociopath. Like, he like threatened her husband too. Like what yeah. in what world? And she was just like, oh okay, that's fine. You're a captain. I understand that in war. Like shut yeah. up. Move. <laughs> He, he did at least kind of say, like, sorry, that was really screwed up when I threatened yeah. your husband there. Sorry about that. <laughs> I got overboard. <laughs> what did you think, Max? You know, I I agree with what you're saying. I mean, I, I don't think I had quite as strong a reaction as you, Dinah. But, um, you know, I think in Star Trek, generally speaking, we have a pretty long history of putting characters in these kinds of training scenarios and sort of seeing how they react um, the Kobayashi Maru test, obviously, is sort of the classic example of this. Um, and I just think that this did not live up to some of those sort of more memorable mm-hmm. um, examples from from kind of previous Star Trek uh, episodes of putting characters in these types of situations and seeing them make, you know, pretty interesting choices or come up with interesting solutions. Um, I didn't feel like that really happened here. Yeah, yeah and, and going back, I mean, there were... They tried to do a lot, right? They tried the um, the uh, I mean the astronaut bit is again um, JFK's inaugural speech, and um, there's another reference to um, um, you know um, so, something about an island. I know that's that, that's a famous poem. Uh, I can't think of it right now, but um, so I agree with Dan. It had a lot of potential. Um, what did you guys think about the tech, the the hood, uh, the Hooded black thing, which is like a, <laughs> the, the, the yeah, a flat space compressing <laughs> thing. <laughs> they focus like on that for five seconds. Um, any, any thoughts there? I, I kind of I liked it, yeah. but it was it was a bit much. I don't know. See, <laughs> this is this is the weakness of this episode to me. It was that they tried 
they had to focus on these visual, like, cool things to, like, move along the plot. It's kind of the polar opposite of Q&A in that sense, where it's the dialogue that's driving everything. Like, it's, it's, mm-hmm. it's, like, it's kind of, like, it's driven by the characterization. This one, the, the, the dialogue, kind of, it gets stuck in all these, like, section uh, regulation 192.3. Right. It's 100% exposition or explanation, and there's no, like characterization right. yeah and and so the, the, when the hood comes off and you're like <gasps> that's bike oh wow that's a cool piece of tech like that's Whatever. the best part of the, <laughs> the thing because it's it's like you know oh my god and and just going back to like one second to the abuse aspect mm-hmm. i think this episode makes a lot of sense if you replace bike with that evil section 31 guy from say season two of discovery Thank you. and this is like a section 31 like evil test and then <laughs> we don't have to have to mash this like impressionable young cadet because i also just disliked her whole at the end like i'm so happy mm. and it's right. like you were just treated horribly right. like yeah. I-, I feel like it would be better if she was like this has strengthened me and given me hate to become section 31 like you know like <laughs> Like, that, I think, would, like, make a lot more sense than this, like, wide-eyed, like, I'm just happy to be here, which is real dumb. It doesn't make any sense. Especially, like, after when we, we just saw in Q&A how Number One has been, like, extolling Pike's virtues and his, like, morality. And, yeah, he's unsentimental, but that doesn't mean he's a dick. Like, like those things, like, that kind of stuff. And then we have him do this really fucked up test on this cadet who's been through some trauma where he's like explaining to her how she's wrong about things and how he will threaten her and her family. And then like we're supposed to be like, "Oh yeah, cool. That's a normal pike thing that would normally happen. That's a cool thing that is okay with me. That's fine." And then she hasn't she doesn't take anything away from it in terms of like anger. So like there's no reason, again, there's no reason for the story to exist as a short trek. It could have just existed as an, a full episode at the beginning of the of the new series. And it would have done the same thing because we don't we don't need to explain why she's upset or angry at Pike. We don't know, need to know why she might be plotting something else or she might be like there's there's no it doesn't do anything. And like I know that the trouble with Edward also technically doesn't do anything and Q&A technically doesn't do anything. But they're different kinds of not doing anything than this, which is like this is the jumping off point for this whole new series. We told this whole story that's high drama but doesn't actually do anything it doesn't mean anything and we've learned nothing about the characters except you know that one of them is married which is cool because it's not it's pretty different from a lot of characters that we meet who don't already have like family members and then this character is south asian which is cool too but it's not like it doesn't do anything for the story can i can i jump on that for a second which yeah. i will say i am very excited as a person originally from india to have another indian character and this person mm-hmm. is sikh so kasidhu is a sikh name so and amrit Gore is a sikh uh name as well so the actress i would assume has some sikh in their family somewhere uh so i'm just assuming they're indian they could be pakistani they could be from somewhere else i don't know maybe this person grew up on klingon i have no idea <laughs> but it is nice as an indian person living in reality today to see right. an indian potential main character which is why also dude from discovery whose name i'm forgetting ash tyler like most indian name ever that was, <laughs> immediately i saw i heard the character name i was like that's an indian guy very excited <laughs> to have people that i can like him i can mm-hmm. cosplay as which is very cool um <laughs> And yeah. and so it's like uh, it, that was nice. I, I did right. genuinely enjoy getting an Indian uh, person, or at least someone with an Indian name, in uh, in uh, in this episode. 
Yeah. Totally. Any any final takes before we move on, y'all? We're getting kind of long in the episode. As yeah, one say. quick question again to all of y'all. Um, in terms of training and simulations, my understanding was a lot of it happens at the academy, right? So this right. one was yeah. kind of outside, right? Like on a star base. So was it like an internship? And then I think, you know, um, she, she was on inventory duty. So maybe it gives in a view of how people transition from from the academy. And, and it's not like a cutover. It's not like a hard cutover. And they have like summer internships on 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 stations or ships and and so that's that's an interesting insight i thought um that we may not have looked at in, in the other series before too much yeah we don't we haven't seen a lot of um sort of cadets out and about mm-hmm. in in the wider galaxy um you know i guess wesley crusher we see nog uh in ds9 but i guess those are the only two that i can really think of well, star trek 2009 does it but it's kind of a you're not sure if that is was that supposed to happen when we right. send all the cadets <laughs> to yeah. Vulcan? Yeah, from being a cadet to a captain in like a day. Yeah. <laughs> sure Seriously, something like that. It's crazy. Yeah. It's like but, but Wrath of Khan actually has is is the kind of basis for that, which is where yeah. they have. Yeah, Emily, have, have, you know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. With the um, uh, what's her name? With the Vulcan, uh, I just forgot Savic. her name. Savik, yeah, because that's how they start Star Trek too, right? Is they start with the Kobayashi Maru test that she's, you know, trying supposed to has to make the impossible decision, and that's when Spock dies because they wanted to fool the audience into thinking that Spock died at the middle or at the beginning, and so they weren't expecting him to die at the end because there were spoilers about it or something. But. <laughs> yeah, and 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 the ship too is is staffed by cadets, like mm-hmm. all of the people in this in on Rathacon, other than the like main cast are cadets mm-hmm. in, in the story yeah. so because the enterprise has become this like training vessel and they weren't supposed to be out there so uh i don't know i feel like a lot of star trek kind of or, or starfleet uh the way it operates is kind of what the navies used to be back in the day mm-hmm. like when I, the eight, 17 and 1800s where you just bought a commission as a captain or like mm-hmm. you just immediately got named this or that and like you know no one really cared about like uh the like rungs that you have to go through and and things kind of like are fast and loose and and, you know you get transferred between ships and you uh it's i I feel like it makes a lot more sense in that kind of formation than like you know the united states navy or something like that Mm. i used to watch jag a lot and watching star trek after watching (laughs) jag did not make sense where are the lawyers (laughs) like (laughs) i was led to believe that the the navy only had lawyers right (laughs) few good men i mean I think Captain Picard can handle any trial situation. <laughs> yeah. 17 right. times. He's so uh, good at it. Yeah. Uh, well, with that, I think it's time for us to wave goodbye. Thank you for discussing these uh, three short treks. I'm very excited to join you all for our second episode next weekend. Uh, that episode and this one should go out on our feed at the same time, so hopefully you as a listener will enjoy listening to them. If you have feedback, don't forget to follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Let us know what you think. Share this podcast with your friends. We'd love to have news listeners. And uh, yeah, any other feedback you have, write, write into us. That's, uh, that's what we're here for. So thanks, everybody. Take it easy. Have a great rest of your day.